Hi, I'm Madeline Gold, and welcome back to Serotonin Speaks. For day three of our mini-series, we're sharing my interview with Henry Kay. Main goals or campaign promises? For sure. So I don't... I, there's a lot of things that I want to really get done within, within, within my campaign, and I have seven core, seven core principles. The seven main ones that I have are college and career readiness, counseling, special education programs, balanced budget, return to in-person learning, environment and infrastructure, and nicotine and addiction. Were you the person who had mentioned you haven't, you don't have like a student leadership background per se, or like slightly different? Yeah. So, so I I come from a leadership background, generally outside of the school building. I recently obtained the rank of Eagle Scout, but most of my focus has been on activities outside the school building. And, uh, and I think because of that, I bring a unique perspective to the table of students who really, who have been, uh, who have not been able to participate in that in that countywide advocacy. Sure. So would you say that leadership has always been a strength of yours? I do believe so. Yeah. I think I'm able to able to motivate people and, and I'm able to build consensus so that we can get things done. I'm really running to make sure that we can get things done. And that's something that, I, that I've been able to do effectively and something that we will continue to do on the school board. Amazing. Okay. So what inspired you in the first place to start in a leadership position in general and now run for the student member of the board? Okay. So, so with the, with regards to starting in a leadership position in general, I think, you know, I've just seen within scouting, it was something that came naturally. I had the opportunity to be with my peers and, you know, plan activities to mutually benefit everybody. I do think that, that one of the reasons, and this ties into what I'm, what I'm doing here today and running for SMOB is because I've seen there are some inefficiencies and some things that really need to be implemented. I do believe as a SMOB, you have a unique opportunity to be the, be the forefront of, of your students and represent them. And I've shown in the past that I'm able to get things done. I'm able to implement my plans and not sign things that'll be conducted, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the road. I want to get these things done. I've shown that I can do that. And that's why I'm, that's why I've become involved in leadership and want to continue that process. So we can not only sign resolutions, but implement them as quickly as possible, as efficiently as possible, and as effectively as possible. Awesome. So as far as you being in leadership positions in the past, what have some of your main challenges been? Yeah, absolutely. And and this is a big thing when you deal with volunteer organizations. A lot of the a lot of the people involved with volunteer organizations and, and the school board relies on a lot of volunteer organizations is, is the accountability issue. There there's accountability issues with, you know, you can't, you can't force volunteers to do, to do X, Y, Z in different settings, maybe in a professional setting or in a military setting, you for, you either, you have to force your people to do it or, or you can require them to do it or else there, there are stark consequences because they either are on the payroll or they've signed a commitment. I think in the volunteer setting, there's, you know, you have to really curtail to the volunteer setting, which encompasses the school system, you know, organizations like scouting and third party organizations. You really do need to curtail to the interests and the opinions of your of your people. But I think that's also where a lot of strength comes from. I think because you have to consider those opinions, you get a multifaceted perspective. And from that multifaceted perspective, you can come up with and really achieve compromise that benefits the whole group. So majority rule while protecting our minority rights. And, and that's, it, it's both a challenge, but both really a strength of volunteer-based organizations. Okay, so along with challenges, what have some of your biggest successes in a leadership position been? 
So absolutely. And one of the, one of the things that I'm most proud of is for my Eagle Scout project, I built a campsite on the CNO Canal and we involved dozens of people. We got, we built dozens of benches. We laid down tons of, of gravel and we, we really built this. We built a facility in the outdoors where our federal government can, can, can really recuperate some money and, you know, continue to reinvest that back in the park system while at the same time pr- providing an affordable place for our, our youth organizations and nonprofit organizations to get in the outdoors. I think that really showed the effectiveness of, of leadership and, and how we're able to get things done if we, if we put our minds to it and achieve them. So that would be my most, my most proud, I think, building the campsite, which is, which is there today. You can go see it at Marsden Trek Group Campground. Okay, amazing. So which issues in your campaign or your platform, I guess, are most important to you and why? So absolutely. These are I have I have a wide sweeping ideas of, of issues and things that I want to get done. And I want to make sure that I touch touch everyone. And my campaign is constantly evolving. So I've had the opportunity. I spoke with today a religious rights group. I want to as and I'm, as I'm moving along, I'm collecting ideas that I really do want to accomplish. I also spoke to an advocate on Americans for Disabilities Act accessibility within our schools. And I do want to continue to incorporate these ideas. What, from what I started off and which you can find on my website at henrysmob.com is I have my six or seven key points, but I think if I had to prioritize them, one of the things that we really need to prioritize is the return to in-person learning. And the fact is we've been out of school. You and I are on, on this, the way we're recording this. We're virtual for, for her listeners. So Part of the problem is there's a lot of students who are struggling. They're struggling with internet connectivity issues. They're struggling with mental health issues. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing with promoting me- mental health and, and serotonin, which is drug inside the brain. So I really do appreciate what you're doing with that. But I think the county, we need to take an unconventional look and an asymmetric look at how we're rolling back our schools. The, the science behind this disease is that A, it's a highly transmissible disease, B, it spreads to the air, and C, being indoors greatly increases your chance of contracting COVID-19. So the fact is we really need to look at these unconventional methods. One of the things I think we need to do is we need to consider classes offered in an outdoor setting. So by offering classes in an outdoor setting, you know, we can kind of reap some of those benefits of of in-person learning while keeping our students safe. And I think by getting that, you know, face-to-face interaction, which really is from a psychology standpoint, really essential for your mental health and well-being. That's one of the ways that we can start to alleviate some of the discrepancies within our county and some of the some of the uh, the achievement gap. Within that, I think we also need to. My next large point would be be counseling, and I, I believe that counselors in our county are overexerted. Right now, a lot of their job is f- they're facilitators of the of the course registration process. We absolutely need to automate this course registration process to ensure that that our counselors are able to to interact with our students. They're able to really interact, especially in this online setting, they're able to interact with with their their unique challenges. The fact is it is 2021, we're online and every student is experiencing really diverse and unique challenges. So we need to to implement more more counselors with, with specialties. And I think specialties like psychology, family planning, addiction and mental health will really help our students come together. And within that, I also like to talk about the college career readiness counselors. There are big discrepancies in the quality of education and the, the availability of resources to students in our county. So I think we really need to look at, at dist- distributing our resources on a per capita basis. We need to ensure that our students, so one of the things is you go to RM, I go to RM, my dad lives in the Gaithersburg Consortium. 
I live, I live with my grandparents in, in a different consortium in the Wound District. And the fact is, at a lot of these really large schools, there's one college and career readiness counselor for the entire school populace. So by swelling the number of college and career readiness counselors, which is really essential to make sure that our students are prepared for, for, life, for life after their secondary education, it is something important of mine. Because I do believe the main reason why we go to, to school is to prepare us for our second ed- secondary, for life after school. So we need to make sure that our students are do have the fundamental resources and are prepared for whether it be a career school, a technical school, entering college, or or just go entering the workforce. So I do think I, that was a really long-winded explanation, but returning to in-person learning, incorporating counselors with that, and then I also like to balance the budget. But hopefully we'll talk about some of my Keep, keep rolling through this a little bit. Yeah, of course. Okay, so I mean, the next question is, what are you hoping to accomplish as student member of the board? So I guess you can talk about your more specific, like tangible goals. Absolutely. So so I touched on a few of those. Again, the return to in-person learning, incorporating those unconventional methods of learning. Also the counseling, you know, incorporating the specialty counselors. One of the big things that I've seen and I've heard from special educators across the county is, is the availability of our, our special education programs. There are inequities in, in the way that our corollary sport programs and corollary sport programs are programs that incorporate students both with special needs and without special needs in one, one holistic setting where everybody can really be, reap the benefits of, of team building and of, of physical exercise. So there are inequities in our high schools and the availability of these programs. At the same time, I do feel that the county has overlooked the fact that our students, there are students in middle schools and elementary schools with special needs as well. So we need to accommodate for that. And one of the things that I would want to do is, is push these programs into our middle schools and then subsequently into our elementary schools to ensure that students, regardless of their physical or mental abilities and regardless of what school they attend, have access to quality athletic programs and also quality humanities programs so that everybody really has has the opportunity to stretch their brain and stretch their, their physical capacity to make our, make our students more prepared for life. I also, I'm a big proponent of the environment and infrastructure and that all my points kind of tie together. So you might see some, some parallels, but the fact is that Montgomery County public schools is the largest school district in the state of Maryland. We have 163 student, 163,000 students. And we hover around that number, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. We also are, again, we're largest in the state of Maryland. We're located between the Potomac and Patuxent Rivers. And because of that, we have a really unique opportunity to either protect or degrade our, the environment, both around us and across the world. So I think what we need to do with our position and our stature is we need to look at what we're at the impact on of our school system on the environment. And at the same time, there's many school facilities throughout the county that are dated and they've fallen into a state of disrepair. So ideally, we can we as a public school system can reduce our impact on the environment by updating our facilities and engaging in environmentally sustainable practices. The fact is, if we make a principal investment of uh, into our infrastructure, we will actually end up saving money in the long run because we have re- we have schools that were built 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, and these, a lot of these schools were built before federal legislation was signed with regards to avail- with water use and electricity use. So really prioritizing these schools for for renovations will save us money in the long run because they'll be more efficient schools. I also am, with regards to my budget thing, that will save us money. We can reinvest back into our students. 
but also at the same time, uh, Montgomery County Public Schools, as the most, as with our stature as the, as the largest school system in, in Montgomery County Public Schools, the way that we build schools within the county is we either fund them or we have developers when they come in and they make a development like downtown crown or like any development within our county, we require them to provide for our public services. They, they may have to build a firehouse. They may have to build a school building. So I think we really need to use our stature and stand firm and, and declare that these, these developers come in and, and make, and we need to make sure that they're putting environmentally sustainable technologies into our schools. So if they're putting these environmentally sustainable technologies into our schools, at no additional cost to us, because again, we're requiring requiring them to do it, and that's one of the burdens of building within the county. We need to make sure that that they're putting in environmentally sustainable practices, so that moving forward, we are indeed an environmentally sustainable and environmentally friendly county. And I'll, I'll talk. I'll bring in a whole bunch of things, but those you're starting to get some of the picture of my the ideas, and they, they kind of do tie together. But uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I mean. If there's anything else, like in regards to your main goals that you want to mention, I guess do that now. Okay, for sure. And I'll fly these, I'll fly through these real quick. Sure. One of the big things is I talked about college and career readiness counselors, but I, we also need to make sure that all high schools, yeah, we're both in high school here. We need to make sure that all high schools are offering quality quantitative literacy courses. Again, the main reason why we're going to high school is to ensure that we're prepared for life after high school. So these quantitative literacy courses also, they're known collectively as, as quant lit courses. We need to make sure that, that they're at every high school throughout the county and they're readily available. What these courses do is they really, they, they teach our students about fundamental and basic financial literacy. So stuff like writing checks, balancing your bank account. And by ensuring that these, are, these courses are available and utilized within our schools will help our, help our students be really prepared. Uh, I want to also talk about nicotine and addiction and, and being in high school or being in middle schools in the United States. Now, uh, addiction and nicotine are a mainstay. So the fact is, I think we really need to take a countywide approach at this to combat the epidemic. It is an epidemic within our, our communities. So tobacco products like jewels and other nicotine products have become readily available. And because of that, they're widely abused within our secondary schools. Ideally, we can reduce the number of students who use nicotine and other addictive substances on a regular basis, and we can eliminate addictive substances from school grounds altogether. And by doing this, we can improve the health of our students. So how do we get there? We, we definitely need to destigmatize addiction. I know this is a mental health, this is a mental health forum, and, and we need to destigmatize it. A lot of students fall into the cycle of addiction in social settings, whether it be at parties or other social functions. And we need to make sure that we treat it as such. We need to implement voluntary youth support sessions where, where students who are struggling with these issues and other issues have, have the ability to come together and gather and ensure that they know other people out there have similar struggles and challenges as that, and that our counselors are available there and to help them. And we also need to reinvent the, the punishments for infringements of substance abuse rules so that our students are indeed incentivized to ask for help as opposed to being punished. And then also, I like to look at the economics and I'll move on to my final major point, balanced budget. But this Montgomery County Public Schools received a grant from the federal government to ensure that Narcan, which is an anti-overdose drug for opioids, such as heroin and Oxycontin, which have become ever more prolific, they received a grant to make sure that we have these pro this, this drug, Narcan, 
We need to make sure that it is available for distribution in every school building throughout the county. This will save our lives. By saving lives, we're, we're bettering our community. And then, and then my last major thing, and this ties into all, and if you got specific questions with my points, this actually ties into every single one, is a, is a balanced budget. So last year, we were allotted $1.7 billion, again, largest school system in the, in the state of Maryland. We have 163,000 students, and we need to make sure that all students are provided a quality education while we're able to invest in new school buildings, new technology, more educational opportunities for staff, and, and, and make sure that we're really ensuring that there's equity across the board. So how do we get there? I think there are ways that we're draining money through the school system. I think through the environment and infrastructure, if we stop those leaks and reinvest the money back into our students, whether it be with counselors or whether it be with whether it be in uh, in uh, special education programs that really pay dividends. Another major point of mine is in the United States, we have a system of fiscal federalism, and which means that we get we get a lot of funding from from the state and from the federal government. So the state gets money from the federal government. We get a lot of money from the state. So we're drawing money from the federal government. We're drawing money from the state. And, and another major point, we get we take money from from local county taxes. We need to really look at, at how we're investing our money. And one of the best ways that I can think to do that is by investing in the, in the quality of food within our schools. The fact is, if we make a principal investment of foods within our schools, of high quality nutritional foods within our schools, our students will have the better ability to learn. And at the same time, our students, they'll learn better and they'll per perform better on, on state and national tests. And by doing this, this will actually, this will create a, a positive cycle of, of funding. We'll receive more money from the state and federal government. And subsequently, we can continue the cycle. So I think really looking at an economics view of this and, and making pr principal investments into important components of our school system will pay dividends 5, 10, and 20 years down the road so that we can continue to be one of the best school systems in the country. Okay. I mean, it sounds like you have amazing goals. Um, for your platform. So kind of wrapping up here, has leadership in general helped you personally grow as a person? And what are the skills that you have learned that you're looking to now bring to the table as student member of the board? Absolutely. So I think leadership is important. It has helped everybody who's involved in some sort of leadership improves because every individual that you can touch, you can learn something from them. So I think by being involved in leadership, you have you have an opportunity to interact with people and really learn how to treat people the proper way. So, so that is one of the big things that I've learned. One of the skills that I plan to bring forward is, is really getting things done. I think we need an advocate for our students, especially students who have been underrepresented and, uh, and left out of the conversation. We need an advocate who understands the needs of these students. And we need an advocate who will fight for those students to get to get plans enacted as soon as possible. And I'm an actor, and I plan to bring that forward. Okay. And last but not least, how can people get involved in your campaign or involved in addressing some of the key issues that your campaign focuses on? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm trying to spread the message of my campaign. What, what's going on right now is I have a website out. You can check it out at henrysmob.com. Again, I have my Instagram. I, I accept DMs. I guess that's what they're called. DM me, send me an email at henry underscore j underscore k at mcpsmd.org. So to reach out and help me, definitely, definitely check out my website, check out my Instagram, henrysmob.com, henry, henry underscore smob on the Instagram. 
And then also talk to your school advisor about, about getting involved and what you can do to help. Because together we can, we can definitely create a more inclusive and equitable environment within the county. That was all for my interview with Henry. You can find his campaign at the links in the show notes. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for Maya's interview with Hannah Oluni.